you can't have faith in God for anything in your life until you know what the will of God is. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You couldn't have faith to be born again until you knew that God wanted you born again. And the same thing's true with being filled with his Holy Spirit. The, th the same thing's true uh, with being healed. You cannot have faith, confident expectation of healing in your body, unless and until you know and you're fully persuaded it's God's will for me to be healed. Do I have any people in here this morning fully persuaded of that fact? It's God's will for you to be healed. Why don't you say it out loud? It is God's will. I am fully persuaded. He wants me well. He wants me strong. He wants me healed. So you got to be fully persuaded of that because as soon as symptoms of sickness or disease show up in your life, they are there trying to talk you out of that. And you're going to have to be able to talk right back to them and say, no, I am fully persuaded. My God loves me. And not only is he able to heal me, he's willing. He wants to. Now we have to do this same thing where prosperity is concerned. Prosperity in any area of our lives, spirit, soul, and body. That would include materially. That would include financially. You cannot have faith for God to prosper you, prosper you in your business, prosper you in your home finances, prosper you in your ministry finances. You can't have faith for prosperity in any area until you know, until you are fully persuaded God wants me as prosperous as he does healed. God wants me as prosperous as he does saved. Because all of this is a part of our salvation. The Bible actually says this in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Now this is what you look like when all grace is abounding towards you. He said all grace. That should tell you there's more than one grace. There's more than one grace. Did you know that? That might come as a revelation to you today. There's more than one grace. The Bible says the, that, that, that grace has appeared to all men that we should be saved. That saving grace has appeared to all of us in Jesus. But did you know there's a grace to be filled with the Holy Spirit? There's a grace to be healed in this physical body. And he said here in this scripture that he's able to not just make one or two of these graces abound to you. How many graces can he make abound towards you? All of them. And this is what you look like when all grace is abounding towards you. Put that on the screen for us. God's able to make all grace abound towards you that you, what? Always having all sufficiency in all things. Did you catch that? What do you look like when all grace is abounding towards you? You always have all sufficiency in all things. That's never coming short. That's never running out. That's never lacking. That's never being behind. And it's the result of all grace abounding towards you. Now that in itself would be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? To never come short again. To never lack anymore. 
Not another day for the rest of your life. But that's not even the end of it. That's just you increasing to the point where you're full. He actually said when all grace is abounding towards you, you'll always have all sufficiency in all things and you're going to have an abundance to give to every good work. That's overflow. You increase to the point where every need you have is met, then you overflow to the point where you're meeting the needs of others. That's prosperity. If you're looking for a definition for biblical prosperity, New Testament prosperity, that is it right there. Always having all sufficiency in all things with an abundance, with overflow. So when somebody wants to fight the so-called prosperity message, that's what they're fighting. When somebody says to you, you believe in that prosperity message, your thought should be, well, do you mean I, do I believe in always having all sufficiency in all things with an abundance to give to every good work? Yeah, you better believe I believe it. That's the definition of it right there. Increase, 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 overflow. That's prosperity. Somebody say, that's prosperity. And I want us to look together at something today in the scriptures because that's where we find the will of God. We don't find the will of God revealed in tradition. We don't find the will of God revealed in somebody else's experience or lack of experience. We don't find the will of God revealed in our own lack of experience. We find it in the word of God. And if our experience doesn't match up with his word, then our prayer should be, Lord, I'm asking you to elevate my experience. Bring my life up to where it looks like your word. So we've been looking to the word to renew our mind, to renovate the way we think, that we might be filled with the knowledge of the will of God for our lives concerning specifically prosperity. And we've talked some specifically about material prosperity, financial prosperity. Does the word of God have any, anything to say about this? Well, if it does, we better find out. If we want to have faith for any of that in our lives, we better find out what his will is and we find it out from the word. Today, I want to talk to you, continuing along these lines, about how. We've spent the last several weeks really driving home and, an, and establishing in us what is the will of God for us in these areas. And if you need to, and it'd be a good idea, go back and get some of those. They're online. Everything's free, free of charge. Go back and, and keep listening to it and keep listening to it and keep listening to it. Because every time you hear it, there's a renovation taking place. And if you want your life to be proof of what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, it happens as your mind is renewed. And like we've said before, that word renewed literally means renovated. So you might have to do some renovation in the way you think. There might need to be some demolition of some old traditional ways of thinking that don't line up with the word of God. And you might have to replace it with truth. And that's what we've been doing. Today, I want to get into the how. Specifically, how to turn a little into a lot. Anybody interested in this? How to. How to turn a little into a lot. 
The title of this message is How a Little Becomes a Lot. Now, if somebody were to say to you, somebody who was a a successful investor or a friend who read a book and man, it changed their lives and, and, and they said, man, you got to read this. It'll tell you what to do with your money and you'll be rich. There's a lot of people that, that would have their attention like that. There's a lot of people that would pick up that book and read it and man, they'd read it cover to cover and they'd do everything that book told them to do. If it was telling them how to take what little they have and turn it into a lot. People do that. We know they do that. We know that that industry alone of, of teaching people how to increase and how to get rich, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Well, I got a book I want you to read. I'm standing here with a book I want you to read and, and I want you to check it out because there's some information in this book that will absolutely teach you how to take what you have, even if it's a little, and turn it into a lot. Would you read the book if I gave it to you? I got a book I want you to read today. There's some instructions in this book about how a little becomes a lot. And if we had time, man, we'd go cover to cover. There is example after example in the word of God about how a little becomes a lot. This is actually something that God specializes in. I'm reminded of uh, Elijah when the Lord spoke to him and he said, I want you to go to this widow in Zarephath. I've spoken to her and I have commanded her to provide for you there. So he did. He went to Zarephath and he found her. And when he found her, she was in the field. She's picking up sticks. And he goes to her and says, hey, I would like for you to bring me a cup of water and I want you to make me some bread. I want you to make me a cake. And she said to him, now this is in a time of famine. And she said to her, she said to him, uh, listen, I don't have enough. I don't have enough to make something for you. Actually, all I've got left is enough to make one last little cake for me and for my son. And here's her plan. We're going to eat it and die. That's not a lot of vision, is it? <laughs> we're gonna eat, this, is, this is our last meal and we're going to eat it and we are going to die because it's famine and everybody's running out. And in 1 Kings, you don't have to turn there, but in chapter 17, uh, verse 13, Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make yourself and your, make some for yourself and your son. Then he gives her this word of the Lord. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Now here's, this woman has a real choice to make. She's at a really critical crossroad here. She has so little that there's barely enough to feed her and her son for one last meal. And now she's got this prophet of God standing in front of her with this word of the Lord that says, feed me first. Huh? You say you speak for God, do you? Well, she's got a choice to make. Do I believe this word? Or do I say this guy's crazy? These preachers always come into town stealing my food, wanting my money. Well, she had a choice to make, but she believed the word of the Lord. And she went in and she made uh, a little bit of food for Elijah. She made some for herself. She made some for her son. 
And the scripture goes on to say that this miracle took place, that that bin of flour and that jar of oil, it didn't run dry. All the way through that famine, not only did she eat that meal, but they ate again and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And not only did she feed her and her son, the Bible says she fed her whole household. This is awesome. This is a little becoming a lot. Can you imagine the praise party that took place every day in the kitchen? When they go in there again, and she opens the lid to that jar, she just takes a piece, she said, there's still something in there. Oh, it's still full, it's still full, it's still full. Glory to God, it's still full. And then her son says, I thought you made a cake yesterday. I did, but there's still some in here. What about the oil? She checks a jar of oil. It's still full, glory to God. God's doing miracles in this woman's life. A little has become a lot. It's miraculous. In 2 Kings, the prophet Elisha, similar situation. He's speaking to a woman, a woman whose husband had died, and I suppose it was a, a sudden and unexpected death. And she's talking to Elisha, and she says, what am I going to do? My husband's died, and he left me with this impossible debt to pay. And the creditors have told me they're on their way, like right now. And they're coming to collect, and I don't have the money to give them. So they're going to take my sons. They, she said, they're going to take my sons, and he's going to make my sons his slaves to pay off this debt. And Elisha said, well, what do you want me to do? And then he asked her this question. And this is such a critical question. What do you have in the house? What do you have in the house? And she said, I got nothing. The only thing that I have in this house is a little jar of oil. He said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out, go into the neighborhood, go knocking on doors and I want you to collect every empty vessel that you can get your hand on. I want you to go to neighbor after neighbor after neighbor and just tell them, I don't have time to explain it. Can I just borrow a jar? Can I borrow a vessel? Do you have a glass? Do you have a bucket? Do you have anything that will hold something? I got to get my hands on. And he told her this, not just a few. Go get, go get every single vessel, empty vessel that you can get your hands on. Because she's just got a little jar of oil. So she brings them. And I don't know how many trips it took her, but she's going out and she's bringing everyone that she could find. And according to the word of the Lord, she began to pour that oil from her little jar into these others. And much to her amazement, it just kept filling up and filling up and filling up. And it went from one vessel to another, to another, to another, to another. And finally, Elisha said, bring me another vessel. She said, that's all I can find. And the oil didn't stop flowing until she ran out of vessels. And there was enough where Elisha said, now, take this, go and sell it, pay off your debt, and then live, check this out, on the rest. What is that? Overflow. She increased to the point where she had all sufficiency. And with the rest, the overflow, now she's living on it. This was a widow woman in debt over her head, and in one day, now she's in the oil business. <laughs> what do you do for a living? I'm in the oil business. Well, I can tell you're a very prosperous woman. Yeah, I'm debt free, no debt, don't owe anybody anything. One day, God took a little, and what did he do? Turned it into a lot. 
Is this still the God we serve? Is this still? Now, we know he's got the ability. The question we're asking and answering is, is it his will? Was it his will? How do you know it was the will of God to do it? It's in his word. We see it in his word. Is this still the God we serve? Do we still serve a God who has the ability and the willingness to take whatever little you've got and turn it into a lot? You're going to be excited about this by the end of this day. I guarantee you this. So what do we want to do right now is continue to do what we've been doing, not just look into the word, even though, even though the word cover to cover is a revelation of his will. We're also looking where to Jesus, looking specifically to the ministry of Jesus to find out, is it God's will to prosper us, to prosper us? Now, let me ask you something from what you know from the ministry of Jesus. Can you ever think of a time? where Jesus took a little and turned it into a lot. I see heads nodding. Help me out. Has anybody ever, just, just your knowledge of the gospels, your knowledge of the ministry of Jesus, was this something he was prone to doing? Taking a little bit of something, turning it into a lot. Did he do it once? Did he do it more than once? Oh yeah. He did it and he did it over and over. We know from the Gospels that there were times, a time when he took a little and he fed more than 4,000 people with a little bit of food. What we're about to read about is the time where he fed more than 5,000 people with just a little bit of food. And you see that here in John chapter 6. And, and you know the story, spoiler alert, there's a multitude coming to Jesus. He says, I want to feed him and he ends up feeding him. I'm not trying to give away the ending here, but you know this. What I want us to ask and answer though today is how. We don't want to just see that it happened. We want to know what? How does this happen? And isn't that, isn't that our nature? We want to know how. When we see something amazing, we go, that's amazing. How'd you do that? And you should be asking God that all the time. When you see something amazing take place in his word, or you see something amazing take place in the world around you, the first thing you should say is, glory to God. The next thing you should say is, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? Say it to him right now. How'd you do that, Lord? We want to know how you did that. And there were people that, that said that in Jesus' ministry. When they saw him perform a miracle, when they saw him cast out demons, they said, what a word this is. In other words, how'd you do that with your words? There was, no, there was no magical dance. There was no waving of the hand. There was no process or procedure. Jesus spoke to it and it changed. He spoke to the devil and it left. He spoke to the sickness and it ran away. And they sat there and went, how'd you do that with a word? So when we see Jesus here in just a moment, take a little and turn it into a lot, you're seeing several things all at once. Number one, you're seeing this is the will of God. And if it was his will that day, guess what? He has not changed. Jesus Christ is the same. Say it with me. Yesterday, today, and forever. And if it was in his willingness, within his willingness and ability to feed them on that day, it is his will to feed you and to feed me today. Glory to God. So we're seeing it in Jesus' ministry, which tells us this is the will of God. But let's not just look at it and see that God can do it. 
or even just that he will do it, what is it we want to know? How? How'd you do that, Jesus? How did you take a little and turn it into a lot? In John chapter 6, I'm going to read this story to you, but then we're going to go back and unpack it a little bit. You see this in verse 1. It says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. Why are they coming to him? Healing. They were drawn by healing. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples and the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? I like verse six, but this he said to test him for he himself knew what he would do. He said this to test Philip and we see some insight here. Jesus knew what he would do. Now, I don't know that that meant specifically that Jesus knew exactly how this was about to unfold, that per perhaps he had a word of knowledge or something from the Spirit of God that, that told him exactly what was about to happen. All we know is that Jesus knew what he was going to do in this situation. And he asked Philip a question. He said, where are we going to buy bread that these may eat? So whose idea is it to feed the people? Let's try it again. Whose idea is it to feed the people? Jesus. Whose idea is it to provide for the people? Jesus. Philip's idea? No. no. The people's idea? No. no. They're not even there yet. Jesus lifts up his eyes, sees them coming from afar off, and the first thing out of his mouth is, I want to feed them. Is this still our Jesus? Or has he changed? Does he have a different priority for us now? No. He sees you and I coming and what's on his mind? I want to feed. I want to provide. It was Jesus' idea to feed the people. Philip answered him in verse 7 and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Andrew, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, verse 10, I want you to notice this, Make the people sit down. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Let me remind you what's going on here. This is the 23rd Psalm in action. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me. To lie down. That word sit, if you look it up, it's literally the word recline. Jesus said, make the people lie down. Now there was much grass in the place. What's happening? Jesus, the good shepherd, is saying to the people, he's, he says, make them lie down in green pastures. This is the 23rd Psalm in action. And when Jesus is the good shepherd, what did David say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not one. I will not lack. Make the people sit down, he said. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, I want you to mark that, underline that, highlight that. What did he do with it? When he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, 
he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. So what happened? People ate, they got full, and there was more than enough. Increase, 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 overflow. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.